Okay, gentlemen, good morning. Good to see everybody. Yesterday we saw something that perhaps many of us didn't know about. That it says that Reuben, I'm just going to repeat everything a little, just in short. Reuben, the Bechor of Yaakov, he was the firstborn of Yaakov, as we all know. Reuben did something in his life that was not appropriate. And we said yesterday what it was. He based, he was the son of Leah. Yaakov had his bed in the room of Rahel, on the house of Rahel. When Rahel passed away, he moved his bed to Bilhaz's home or Bilhaz's room. Bilha is the Shifha, the maidservant of Rahel. And Reuven, the son of Leah, you could imagine, got, got upset or hurt for his mother. It's one thing to be second to Rahel, Imenu. Leah, to be second to Rahel, able to handle it. But now to be second to the maidservant of Rahel, he was, it was unacceptable. So he went and he took his father's bed and he switched it to his mother's room. This was an act that was not appreciated. Not by Yaakov, not by the Torah. Even though clearly... <laughs> He was being done to help somebody, his own mother. You could even say it was Kibud Abayel. But at the end of the day, to go and act like that, like the Pasuk says, at the end of Yaakov Avinu's life, when he got to Reuven, he gave out all the blessings to his children. When he got to Reuven, he told them, Pahas Kamaim, you acted in haste. Like water. Water doesn't stop. Water keeps going. Meaning something bothered you and you just moved and you acted without thinking. Therefore he told them, Al Totar, you will not have the gifts of a Bechor. As we mentioned yesterday, that as the Bechor, the kings of the Jewish people should have come from Reuven. The Kohen Gadol should have come from Reuven. He should have gotten the spiritual leadership and the uh, political leadership. But he lost them both. Why? Because he messed up. That's, I would say, everyone knows this about Reuven. That he sinned. And then Yaakov, many years later, by his deathbed, reprimanded him and not only reprimanded him took away his rights to things that he should have had all that I think most people know what we didn't know what we learned yesterday on the pasuk that calls Reuven Bechor Yaakov unnecessarily because we already know he's the Bechor Yaakov the Midrash says Bechor Yaakov why is he called Bechor he was Bechor Le Teshuvah. 
The word Bechor means the first. Like Bikurim, it's not only by children. Bikurim means the first fruits. Bechor Teshuvah means that he was the first person to make Teshuvah. So if you study history and you want to know who made Teshuvah, the Bechor, the first one, Reuven. Where do we find that Reuven made Teshuvah? Where is that even hinted to in the Torah? As you know, there's a Torah, Shebikhtav, there's a written Torah, there's an oral Torah. The oral Torah is way bigger than the written Torah. So we know that Reuven made Teshuvah. That's not the question. The question is, where does the Torah Shebikhtav even allude to it? Where is it? And especially such an important event in the history of the world, the first person to make Teshuvah. Where is that recorded? So it's recorded in the most interesting place. It's not really given its own value. It's reported in the middle of a story about something else. Usually, something important like that would be reported as an important standalone story. But this one, the Teshuvah of Reuven, is not recorded in that manner. It's thrown in, in the middle of another story. It has no relation to that story. The story that we learned yesterday by Yosef and his brothers. We saw yesterday Yosef, when he was coming to check on his brothers like his father told him to do, the brothers decided that he is guilty and therefore he needs to be killed. They said, come, let's kill him. Reuven, after that decision was made by the brothers, Reuven says to his brothers, why should we kill him? It's not, it's not appropriate for us to kill somebody. Let's not take that on our head. Let's throw him into the pit. In his mind, the Pasuk says, he had intention to come back and to take him out and return him to his father. They agreed to him. They threw him in the pit. And then they ate. They sat down to eat. Seudat mitzvah. Remember, they thought they were doing a good thing. It's hard to believe as that is. They thought they were doing a good thing. Sometimes in life a person thinks he's doing the biggest hazard. He's doing the greatest thing in the world and he's not. Not always is our judgment of doing right and wrong correct. We all strive to do right. And we all want to be good. But not always do we actually know what's good. It's a very big question in the world. A very big question in humanity. Everybody has a drive to do good. That is, by the way, one of the greatest demonstrations of the human soul. You know, a table has no need to be good. A chair has no need to be good. Physical things don't have a desire to be good. But there's a neshama, there's a soul inside of us that very much wants to be good. So much so that if you go on the street and you see a random person and you call him an evil person, he'd be very upset. Anybody. Nobody wants to be bad. You call the table bad, doesn't care. 
There's no, it doesn't matter in the physical, in the physical world, there's no such thing as good or no good. Good is something that is in the spiritual realm. So all of us have a desire, a drive to be good. But not always do we know what's good. There's absolute good. Good is not up to everybody's uh, own opinion. There is something called absolute good. That's, that's the whole idea of living emet. Emet means that you don't make up your own good. Because if everybody can make up their own good, that means there's no truth. You say uh, abortion is terrible. I say abortion is very important. It's very good. You know, somebody is wrong. You can't have both of them correct. They're not necessarily bad people. And they don't necessarily have bad intentions. But clearly, somebody is wrong. And you'll get that kind of argument on many subjects in life. There is something called absolute truth. Where does it come from? From the creator of the world. The brothers thought they were doing a very good thing. They thought their brother deserves to get killed because they thought he's coming after them to kill them. They were wrong. That's what they thought. They sat down to eat a meal. Seudat mitzvah. They sat down to eat. Like you sit down to eat after a brimila. They sat down to eat. They did a great thing. Right there the Torah reports. And Reuven returned. As they were there. They decided, you know what? They saw Arabs going to Egypt. They say, you know what? Why leave him in the border? Let's just sell him. They ended up selling him. It says Reuven returned to the border. Because remember, his plan was to take him back. And he sees there's nobody there. And he ripped his clothes. Our rabbis ask, he returned to the border? Where he returned? Where did he go? They were all there. They were there eating. They were together when they put him in the bar. They were there having a sauda. They were there when they sold him. What do you mean he returned? Where was he? The Midrash says he returned. I guess he couldn't partake of the meal. Why? He went. He says he returned to his teshuvah. He was still making teshuvah. This is going 10 years already. The story of his father. 10 years ago it happened. He went to make to continue his teshuvah. He's making teshuvah. Me and you, we make teshuvah in five minutes. We go like this, teshuvah is over. But I guess sometimes teshuvah needs a little more attention to it. He's involved in teshuvah for ten years. I don't know what that means, by the way. I don't know what that means. But okay, that's what it says. He came back from making teshuvah. Because he was involved in teshuvah. I guess he took a break. When they were eating, that's the spot in the Torah. By Yashov Reuven, he came back. Where was he? Making Teshuvah. That is the spot in the Torah where we find that Reuven made Teshuvah. The question we asked yesterday was why specifically in that spot is Reuven? Is, taught to us that Reuven made Teshuvah. Why in that story? Remember, that part of the story is irrelevant. It's a side point that he happened to be away making Teshuvah. But the Torah reports it. 
I'm sure he was making Teshuvah many other times. Try to talk about it. But this one it talks about. He was making Teshuvah and then he came back to his brothers. Why here is it reported? The man is making Teshuvah for 10 years. You couldn't find another spot that he made Teshuvah to tell us that he made Teshuvah. Why in the middle of this story? It's in the middle of a, a story that has nothing to do with this Teshuvah. That was one question we asked yesterday. The bigger question perhaps is that the Midrash is not even true. We know that Adam Arishon made Teshuvah. Cain made Teshuvah. I'm sure others made Teshuvah also. How can the Midrash say that Reuven is the first one to make Teshuvah? It's clearly not true. That's a bigger question. So I'd like to share with you something that I think is very, very powerful. And then I'm going to get to Jack's question. I hope I fully understand what I'm about to tell you. And hopefully we'll understand it together. Do you know what Reuven was involved in in that time? with the story of Yosef. He was involved in a very big mitzvah. I don't know if it's a bigger mitzvah. It says, Kol matzil nefesh Israel, A person who saves the life of one person. It's as if he saved the world. I don't know if there's a bigger mitzvah. You know, there's chesed in money, there's chesed in clothing, there's chesed in talking to somebody and giving them strength and giving them advice. But saving somebody's life, I don't know if there's a bigger hesed and a bigger mitzvah. In fact, as we know, this mitzvah is so big, it's so important that we mehalel Shabbat for it. This mitzvah is so important that we take Kippur, which is a very, very heavy avera of eating, and we tell the guy to eat. Saving a soul, saving a person, is a huge mitzvah. What was Reuven doing? He was literally fighting with his brothers, I mean in his own way, not to lose Yosef. He was saving Yosef's life. So he's not just saving a life. He's saving the life of one of the greatest people that ever existed. Yosef HaTzadik. You know, one of the reasons why, and I'm talking to myself first, one of the reasons why we ignore Teshuvah, why do we ignore Teshuvah? I think for most of us, Teshuvah is not so relevant. I'm being honest. People in the street, maybe, Maybe the people in Israel. I believe that most of us, to even to Kippur, forget Elul, forget Aseret Emet Teshuvah, we do not actually take Teshuvah series. I mean, we talk about it. We even go to classes about it. We attend even uh, different inspirational lectures about it. No question. But how many people actually sit down and say, okay, I got to make Teshuvah. Got to try to fix my life. If not everything, let me fix something. How many people actually sit down with themselves, not in a class, and actually think to make Teshuvah? I think almost nobody. 
It's an interesting thing. You have 40 days, a little 30 days, Rosh Hashanah, Aser Demet Teshuvah, Yom Kippur, and I believe almost nobody thinks about making Teshuvah. And I'll explain to you, and I'm going to tell you why. One of the reasons, it has to do with the generation we're in, and another one has to do in general with our state in this world. We live in a generation where they are what they call Ba'alet Teshuvah. I don't know if you ever heard of them. But Ba'alet Teshuvah. Ba'alet Teshuvah are people that grew up, not necessarily their fault. They grew up in a place where they had zero religion. And not like, not like Syrian, not religious. They grew up like really zero, like they never even heard of the Pasuk Shema Yisrael. They aren't today in Israel. Not one, two. They are millions. Millions. Not millions, hundreds of thousands. That don't know anything about Torah and mitzvot. Anything. Zero. You see them in Israel. They have tattoos on them. You see them the way they look. You would think they're going you. They are Jewish as much as me and you. But they know nothing. Zero. They grew up in homes that had nothing. Not Kiddush, not Shabbat, not Kippur. Nothing. Zero. Ba'alet Teshuvah. Many of those people over the last 30, 40 years have made Teshuvah. They went from zero Sometimes to 10, sometimes to 20, sometimes to 100. So when we think of a Baal Teshuvah, right away I think of a Baal Teshuvah, who am I thinking about? It's the generation of Baal Teshuvah. Who needs Teshuvah? I know I found over the last few years, 20, 30 years of learning people, that people love to give money when you talk about Baal Teshuvah. Oh, I, I, I'm dealing with people that... Uh, they don't, they don't know anything about Torah. They don't know nothing about Judaism. They okay, it's money. People get excited, and for a good reason. To help people that have zero. So when we think of a Baal Teshuvah in our generation, you know, by the way, this is a very modern issue. This is a modern situation. A hundred years ago in Halab, 250, 300 years ago in Europe, were way behind the Europeans. But in Halab a hundred years ago, there were no Baal Teshuvah. There was no Baal Teshuvah. Every kid knew to pray. Every kid knew Shema Yisrael. Every kid, every family kept Shabbat. Every family ate kosher. I'm not saying they were all righteous. I'm sure there were many people that didn't follow exactly. They kept Kashrut, but you know, 90%. They kept Shabbat, but maybe privately certain. I don't know. But as a community, there was no person that didn't know anything. There was no Jew in Halab that looked like a Goy. That you can be sure. How righteous they were? How observant they were? Question. In Europe 300 years ago, same. This is a modern issue where you have people that know nothing about 
where they come from. So in today's world, when you think of Teshuvah, the first thing that you think about are those people, the Hazaton, the people in Israel, the Jews in Wisconsin, the Jews all over America that have no trace of information or Judaism or tradition. That's the first thing you think about. The last person you think about is yourself. We have to make Teshuvah. What Teshuvah? Teshuvah is for the people in the streets. They certainly have to make Teshuvah. I think that's one reason why we don't even think about Teshuvah. Because in our generation, Teshuvah is for the lost tribes. It's for the lost people who are no relevant, not relevant at all to Judaism. So one reason why nobody here will probably make Teshuvah this year, unless maybe after this class, maybe we will start thinking about it, is because number one, in our generation, automatically when we think of Teshuvah, we think of tattoos. We think of people who are eating Hazir on Yom Kippur. That's number one reason. It's not something that's conscious. It's subconscious. We just imagine. We're not from those people. Look how many mitzvot I do. Look how much charity I give. My children go to yeshivat. I go to shul at least once in a while. And the second reason... And this one applies in all generations. Is that when a person does a lot of good in their mind, they're basically complete. And they don't need to make teshuvah. Remember that. Which means the more that you do in your life, the harder it is to make teshuvah. It's easy to make teshuvah if you do nothing. But the more you do in your life, the less reason and the less urgent is this idea of teshuvah. Because I do so much good. I mean, I give so much charity. All of a sudden, the charity becomes the reason why you're blind to so many other areas in your life that you also need to fix. You know, a human is multifaceted. We have so many parts of us. And each one of those parts needs an upgrade. We have to be charitable. We have to be kind not only with money, but with the way we speak. We have to be kind with our, not only with our friends, but with our children. And especially with our wives. It has to be, you know, it's very easy to be kind in the street. It's very easy to give money to people who are living in Africa somewhere. It's easy to take care of the poor. But very often the poor in your own home are not being taken care of. And one of the reasons that we can ignore the poor in our home is because we're so charitable. We, we give a lot of money. We help a lot of people. But sometimes the people that need us most and perhaps our biggest responsibility are ignored. You can have a person who does so much good 
and ignoring so much more that he needs to fix. To become a great person, you need to be kind to all people and all types of kindness. If there are certain people, they write checks. I know a person that his kindness is, Rabbi, I don't do that. I write checks. In his world, that's what kindness is. I don't give advice to people. That's not my thing. You ever heard that before? Not, but, but the guy needs you. There are people who only give charity on Tuesdays. What if a guy comes on Wednesday? Come back Tuesday. But, but I'm dying. I know, but I do charity on Tuesdays. But right now you're needed on Wednesday. What does that mean? The guy who gives charity only on Tuesdays thinks he's a very, very kind person, which he certainly is kind. But he definitely hasn't reached the epitome of kindness when a guy needs him on Wednesday and he ignores him because it's not the day he gives charity. Very often in our lives, especially when we do good, that good becomes the reason why we're blind to so much more that we need to do, that we're capable of doing it. There's so much wisdom to learn. There's so much that we need to learn in our lives. But very often people don't learn and they don't even feel bad about it because they're doing so much good. They're helping so many people. Sometimes kindness becomes the reason why you're blind to learning. And sometimes learning becomes the reason why you're blind to kindness. There are many people who learn and don't respect their parents. I know many young people that are dedicated to tefillah and to Torah, but they don't treat people with the right respect that the Torah expects of us. What's going on? Is that guy going to make Teshuvah this year? About how to honor every person? Do you know the expectation of the Torah when it comes to honoring people? Do you know the expectation is that every guy you see, you need to treat him like he's a king? Yet, is the guy learning going to make Teshuvah this year on how to treat people? I'd say probably a long shot. Why? Because he's learning. Is the guy who's giving himself and his life to kindness. He's helping people. He's running organizations of kindness. Is that guy going to make Teshuvah this year that he's not learning enough? That he's not praying good enough? Long shot. You know why? Because he's doing so much good. When you do so much good, it becomes your blind spot to so much other things that you need to do. A person is not complete when they complete one area of their life. You need to become an Ish Shalem, a complete person. You need to have patience too. You can't be angry. You can't tell me, well, I help a lot of people. I learn a lot of Torah. I pray every day in Bet Knesset. I just have a problem. I get angry all the time. My fuse is very short. I blow up. That doesn't work. Being angry is a terrible, terrible midah that you got to fix. But because you're doing so much, who thinks about Teshuvah? So very often in life, 
the good that we do becomes the reason why we don't even think Teshuvah is necessary for me. Two reasons. One is local in our generation because we think Balet Teshuvah for people in the streets. And two, Baruch Hashem, the crowd I'm talking to has a lot to be proud of. Everybody here, everybody here could look at their life and say, look how much good I do. The fact that you're here today shows how much good you do. You took an hour of your time. Maybe it was hard to park, but you came on a Friday morning to listen, to learn. Why are you here? You're not here for any points. I'm not giving out money. But you're here because you want to learn. It's a beautiful thing. But because you're here, it's probably the reason why you'll never make the Jubah. Because look how much you do. Yosef was involved in one of the greatest mitzvot that a human can do on this planet. Reuven, excuse me. He was involved in saving a life, his brother's life, a great person's life. Could you imagine the accomplishment and the feeling of Reuven as he's involved in what he's doing? He's in the middle of it. He didn't finish the job yet. He's still in the middle. He negotiated with his brothers. But now they went deep. What does he do? What does he do? He goes to make Teshuvah. He was the first to make Teshuvah while he is busy doing great things in his life. Yes, you can make Teshuvah. He did a terrible thing. You go make Teshuvah. That's somewhat easy. But to make Teshuvah while you're busy doing the greatest act that saved the history of the world, by the way, this act, it would have saved the history. Yosef was a big man in our history. So much of our Torah would be missing without Yosef. Yosef is called the fourth father. He was busy saving that man. And in it, in the middle, he goes out to continue making his teshuvah. He's a bechor le teshuvah. He was the first to make such a teshuvah. That you could be doing so much good in your life, and yet you're thinking about making teshuvah. Adam Arishon just messed up royally. Hashem told him one thing to do. Just one thing. Don't eat from that fruit. He eats it. He eats from the fruit. What does he do? Teshuvah. That's easy. Cain just killed his brother. Teshuvah. But Reuven is busy doing great things in his life. And he's now thinking to make Teshuvah. That is called Bechor Le Teshuvah. And that is what we need to emulate. Don't allow the greatness of your life. Again, the greater you are, the bigger the problem. Oh, you're the biggest rabbi now. You have a bigger problem. But you need to sit down and make teshuvah. Teshuvah is given to all of us. Because ultimately, ultimately, we're so much greater than we even imagine. You know, the second 
Beracha in the Amida. After we ask Hashem for wisdom, what do we ask Him for? Help us make Teshuvah. Could you imagine? Before we ask for health, before we ask for wealth, already asking, help us make Teshuvah. Why is that so urgent? Why can't we leave that till the end? The answer is we don't really know how much more we're capable of doing in life. It's like a little baby. A little baby who can't walk. In his mind, he thinks he's never going to walk. You know, in a baby's mind, there are two types of people. There are the people who walk, and there are people like him who don't walk. He doesn't know that people one day will actually walk. If left alone, he'll never walk. And then all of a sudden, his mother stands him up. She steps away two feet from him, holds up a toy that he loves and wants very badly, and she basically says, come and get it. In his mind, he's thinking, what's wrong with this woman? I thought she loved me. Why is she doing this to me? Why is she making me suffer? And he's holding on. He's not sure what to do. Is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? Can he take a step? And all of a sudden, after many tries and falling and trying and falling, he takes a step and he gets it. You know how good he feels? You know how awesome that is? Wow. What are, the guy just took a step. He's going crazy. I made it. I'm with the people who are able to make a step. What does his mother do? She takes two steps back. Kid says, what? What is this? I finally took a step. I'm doing great. Why did she go back? It's very frustrating. You know what? What's going on here? What's going on is a child who only thinks he could take one step. And a mother who knows he could take many steps. A mother who knows this kid could run. The kid could jump. It's the same with us. A lot of times we feel we don't need to make teshuvah. We don't have to correct anything. Because we're good. Look how many steps we take. But the Creator knows that we're capable of so much more. And therefore, he keeps pushing us. Take another step. There's more to do. There's more to accomplish. That is the Teshuvah of Reuven. That's so relevant to me and you. That's something we could actually take home today. That maybe this year, we will sit down and say, what can we make Teshuvah? What can we improve in our lives? They are the obvious things and maybe not so obvious things. That answers our question. Just to finish off, Jack asked the, yesterday asked a great question. I really spent a lot of time on this question. I, I didn't know the answer. That was a great question. I'm actually embarrassed that I didn't think of the question myself. If Reuven is a person who made Teshuvah, he's the Bechor le Teshuvah. Why did Yaakov Avinu at the end of his life, tell him, I'm sorry, you're not getting the Bechor's Malchut, Kohen Gadot, you're not getting it. Why? Because you messed up. What about Teshuvah? Isn't Teshuvah something that's real? Why is Yaakov still holding on to what he did wrong? 
Didn't he change? Didn't he make Teshuvah? It's a very big question. I'd like to give you two potential answers that I saw in the books. One answer, and they're both relevant to us. Very. Answer number one, somebody mentioned here yesterday. Someone mentioned here yesterday, but I saw it written down. That some Averot have an element of Ben Adam Lamakon between you and God and between you and your friend. They want to say that, yes, he didn't teshuvah with Hashem. That he never actually approached his father and asked him for forgiveness. He took care of his issue with Hashem, but didn't take care of it with his father. So it wasn't a real complete teshuvah in that end. That's something definitely relevant to all of us. The second answer, that's a much deeper answer, which will need a lot more time for. Maybe, maybe, I'll discuss it tomorrow morning on Shabbat. Because it takes a day a long time for the second answer to develop. Anyway, Rabotai, I'm going to ask you about it all. Shabbat Shalom.